you got your Bibles out this morning, or you got them on your phones, or maybe you memorized the whole thing, I don't know. But uh, John 20 is our text this morning. We're going to be in John 20. I'm going to read you verses, oh, let's see, uh, I'm going to start in 19. John 20, verse 19. I'm going to read through verse 21. Give you a second to get there. What a beautiful day. Amen. Thank you, Lord. John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. Let's thank God for the word this morning. Father, we thank you to be out here. We thank you for your anointing and your presence this morning. Thank you for this worship team that brings the anointing, Lord God. We just ask, Lord, that you would let the word go deep in our hearts this morning, that this morning we would hear your voice and that you would challenge us and stretch us and comfort us this morning. Do all the things that only you can do for us. So as we read John and we hear your heart for today, God, let us respond in obedience. Let us respond with joy today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. John 20, starting in verse 19, says this, When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Verse 20. Now realize this is John 2020. Perfect, clear vision. And when he said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw, say saw, when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What a powerful text here today as we see Jesus showing himself to his disciples who are in disarray. And notice I pointed to John 20, 20, and we all know what 2020 is. It's perfect eyesight. Amen. You know, I remember the days of having perfect eyesight, and now I have many pairs of glasses. But spiritually, there was perfect vision there. Jesus appears and reveals himself to them. In verse 19, he comes into a locked room, and they see him, and they verify that it's him. They see his nail-scarred hands. They see the wound in his side. What a moment for them when they finally realize that Jesus is alive. Amen? And what a moment for all of us when we first saw and recognized who Jesus really was. Remember, for the first time when the eyes of our understanding were open and we saw who Jesus really was, not just some spiritual icon, not a religious leader, not just a historical figure, but Messiah, Savior, Lord and King. When we first realized who Jesus was, what a moment for all of us. Just like them, they were in a place where they were actually in hiding. They were in fear. Jesus had been crucified, and they weren't sure what was going to happen next. But here comes Jesus, and he walks into that room, and he dashes every fear, and he breaks all the doubt and unbelief, and he verifies and reveals himself. What a moment for them. What a moment for us. Our angry, anxious, broken, desperate world needs to see Jesus. Can I hear a horn or an amen? As Christians, 
we're just sinners saved by grace, and we want the world to see what we've seen. We want them to have that 2020 spiritual vision that allows them to see that Jesus Christ is more than just, uh, you know, a religious leader or some sort of teacher or, or a historical figure, but he is Savior. He is Lord. Multitudes in our generation still do not recognize who he really is. And all of us were in that condition at one time. The good news is this, that God has always and still does reveal himself to those who seek him with their whole hearts. You see, to discover who Jesus is, you have to seek him with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a verse we often quote, but verses 12 and 13 are pivotal. We all know that God has plans for us to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. But listen to what Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13 say. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Do you want to see Jesus clearly today? Do you want the world around you to see Jesus in you? Do you want your lost friends and neighbors and coworkers and family members to see Jesus? Then we have got to seek him as the church with our whole hearts, amen? We've got to seek him with everything within us. He's got to be our primary mission. He has to be our number one. We all know that the world's hurting around us. We've watched in these months as people have lost their jobs and they lost their homes, they've lost hope. We know that people are broken. We know that some are desperate. And understand this, the world around us, yes, they need to see Jesus. But let's not forget that God's children also need to see him clearly, amen? You see, it's possible to be a child of God. It's possible to be in church let to, that our eyesight gets bad and we don't see Jesus anymore. We're focused on other things. But God wants his children to see Jesus clearly. Notice that Jesus revealed himself to his own first. He didn't go out in the world. He didn't go out to the religious leaders. He didn't, he didn't go out in the highways and byways. He appeared to his disciples. First, he revealed himself to them. They were in a dark place. They were in a confusing time. And Jesus comes and he reveals himself. In, in these dark, confusing times, Jesus wants all of his children, that's you and I, to see him clearly. Because this is what happens to us when we see him clearly. The text reveals it. Number one, when we see Jesus clearly, we will have peace. How many people like peace? Amen. The older I get, the more I like peace. I like peace and quiet. I don't like drama. I don't like trouble. I don't need a party. I just need peace. Amen. When we see Jesus clearly, we'll have peace. Look at verse 21 says, so Jesus walks into a room that's locked and he kind of freaks everybody out. You know, the door was locked. Who's this guy? He comes in. The first thing he says to them is, peace be with you. Then in verse 21 again, he says, he says, so Jesus said to them, peace be with you. And then he talks about sending them. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but let's talk about the peace here today. Have you ever been in a place where you knew there was peace available to you, but it wasn't with you? Look what it says, peace be with you. What does that mean? It means there's peace to be had, but all of us have been in a place where we know we should have peace. We know we should have comfort in the Lord. We know we shouldn't worry. We know we shouldn't be anxious, yet somehow, some way, we're all of those things. 
And there's peace available to us, but it's not with us. And Jesus says, peace be with you. He enters the locked room. He walks into it and he freaks them all out. And then he offers them peace. You know, we don't need peace when everything's peaceful. We need peace when we're a little freaked out like the disciples were. They're like, man, we're locked up here. We're, we're hiding. We don't know what's going on. Jesus has been crucified. The, the future's uncertain. And Jesus walks in. Everybody is shocked. And he says, peace be with you. So peace is not for those who are in peaceful circumstances. Peace is for those who are shaken. Uh, in, in the months and the times that we're going through, a lot of us are shaken. But yet Jesus offers us peace. John 14, 26 through 27 gives us some insight on how to have the peace that Jesus offers us. John 14, 26 says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you, say teach. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance, say remembrance, all things that I said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So John 14 gives us insight on how we have this peace that Jesus offers. Number one in verse 26, it says the Holy Spirit will teach us. Look at that. I will send you the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you. Notice that. We need to be taught how to have peace at certain times. You see, it doesn't come naturally. We think, well, if it doesn't come naturally, I don't feel it instantly, then you know I don't have it. But the Holy Spirit will teach you and I how to, how to find peace in even the worst situations. In the book, Holy Sweat, author Tim Hansel shared this life lesson that he learned from the Holy Spirit about having the peace of God. Tim Hansel said, in my 20s, a bunch of my friends and I decided to sail around the world. I have to admit, it was exciting at the time, but I was also worriedly. Inwardly, I was scared because I'd never sailed before. Because I was anxious, I spent a lot of time reading the Bible and praying about it until I heard the Spirit of God whisper to me, Tim, I'll give you peace if you read some books on sailing. The reason you're fearful is not due to a lack of prayer, but because you lack sailing knowledge. I wasn't unprayerful. I was just unskilled. So I took the steps I needed to take and I began to read about sailing and the Holy Spirit filled my heart with peace. You see, many times it's not a lack of prayer or a lack of faith. It's a lack of skill. It's a lack of understanding that we need the Holy Spirit to teach us how to find peace in our present circumstances. The peace is there. It's available. Jesus gave it to us. We need to take it. Verse 27, look what it says. Jesus has left us peace as an inheritance. He says, my peace, I leave you. People leave things for their loved ones in an inheritance. Jesus, uh, about to leave this world and go sit at the Father's right hand, leaves his people, his children, his disciples. He leaves them peace as an inheritance. He says, not as the world. Look at this. I love this. I, I leave you with peace. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fe fearful. So Jesus' peace is not like the world's peace. Why? Because the world's peace only comes when everything is going our way. 
The world's peace only comes when we're happy or, or things are, you know, there's no pressure on us or there's no problems or big things that we're facing. Then when all of those things are missing, we say, well, I'm at peace. Listen, you and I can have peace in the middle of the storm. You and I can have peace facing the giants as David did. You and I can have peace when it's all dark. It's available to us as an inheritance he says, not as the world gives to you. Why? Because the world's peace is, is based on feelings. It's based on emotions. It's based on what's happening around us. Yet the peace that Jesus gives is above all of those things. You and I can be in the darkest moments of life and have the peace of God. And that's what we need to learn today from the Holy Spirit. Do you feel anxious, overwhelmed, uncertain? Jesus says, peace be with you. Are things unstable, scary, or crazy in your life? Jesus says, peace be with you. Are the wicked raging? Are they scheming? Do they seem to be prevailing? Jesus says, peace be with you. Take peace today as an inheritance from the Lord. Take the peace that Jesus offers. It's not based on emotion. It's based on faith that we know that we know that he will take good care of us no matter what prevails, amen? Number two, what happens when we see Jesus clearly? Well, we're gonna have peace, but number two, we're gonna have purpose. Look what he says here. He, he, he says to them, peace be with you. Now, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And what's happening is here is peace is being offered to them. They're, they're calming down. And then he talks about sending them as the Father sent me. We all know Jesus was sent. We all know he had a specific mission to die on the cross, to break the power of sin. And he understood he was sent uh, from a child. He was uh, working up to that day where he could offer himself for us. Yet many of us don't realize that we've been sent also. Jesus says it very clear. The Father sent me. I also send you. Verse 21b, as we just looked at there, Jesus was talking to disciples who would soon be apostles. Think about that. A disciple is one thing, but an apostle is another thing. They were about to be elevated in spiritual stature. These men would become the pillars of the early church. They were going from just mere followers of Jesus who had become disciples to being apostles who would bring the gospel and be the pillars of the early church. The Greek meaning of the word apostle is sent one. Literally, apostle means sent one. So when Jesus said, I've been sent, I'm a sent one, and now I send you, he was speaking to the apostles because he was sending them. Now listen, the disciples, before they came, became apostles, were a mess. Anyone ever been a mess before? Come on, amen. Twice this week, right? We're often a mess, yet the disciples were a mess until they were a mess until when, Pastor Rick? Until the Holy Spirit empowered them to start walking in their apostolic authority, until the Holy Spirit empowered them to move as sent ones and to accomplish the mission they were called to do. And you might sit there today and say, you know what, Pastor, that's great. It's a good point, but I'm not an apostle. And you know what? Neither am I. But I'm a Christ follower, and so are you. And because we follow Christ, we've been giving marching orders. Jesus has sent us on a mission to do something very specific. And just in case you're not sure what that is, 
Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is the Great Commission. Jesus said this, listen, go. What is that? That's being sent. He's saying to all of us, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. So there's our mission, the Great Commission, to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to teach them the commandments of Christ, uh, for us to make disciples. That's our mission today. If you and I are not reproducing ourselves spiritually, we need to get about our Father's business and go, as Jesus said, and do the things he's called us to do. Knowing you've been sent on a specific mission brings great comfort and peace to the human soul. You say, why? Because it gives us purpose. If you're without purpose today, at best, you're going around in circles in life. At best, you're wondering what is the significance of your existence? But if you have purpose today, and Jesus has given us purpose today, we see him clearly and we find that purpose. Knowing that we have a mission should give us comfort and peace. It should bring us purpose. People without Christ don't feel a sense of purpose. They don't feel a sense of mission you and I know before we came to Jesus, many of us were just going around in circles or just desperately trying to find meaning in life. People who don't yet know Jesus don't have this internal purpose. They're really in a panic, and here's why. Because they don't know where they came from. They don't know why they're here. They don't know what they should be doing, and they don't even know where they're going to go when they die. Have you been there before? Well, you came out of the womb knowing all those things. You're special. It's a tough crowd this morning. One horn. I hear one horn. All right, there we go. Jesus gives us purpose. Jesus gives us a mission. He said, go, make disciples. There's the mission. Baptize them. Teach them. We are on a mission from God. And what peace and comfort comes from that? When you don't know where you came from, when you, you, you think creation was a cosmic accident and you, you evolved from monkeys, it brings a despair to the, to the soul of people. When you don't know what you should be doing or where you're going to go when you die, it brings despair to the hearts of people. But what peace we have as Christians to know all these things, where we come from, what we're supposed to do, where we're going when we die. And on top of it all, we have a mission from God to spread the gospel, to spread the good news, to spread the love of God to the hurting and the lost. Amen. We can see him clearly and we'll have purpose. Well, we can see him clearly this morning. We're going to talk about the third thing that's going to happen. Jesus continues. We see him and we have peace. We see him clearly and we have purpose. And number two, three, we see him clearly and we'll be refreshed by the Holy Spirit. I love what he does here. He says, he shows up, he kind of scares them. He tells them, peace be with you. And then he says this, you know, I've been sent, so I sent you. And when he had said this, verse 22 says, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What a powerful moment there. This is an awesome moment for the disciples, the Holy Spirit being breathed on them by Jesus. Now, you might think, 
that someone breathing on you is a little bit weird. If someone came up to you today, got right up close and breathed on you, would you freak out a little bit? I'm going to try this on all the people who are not raising their hands. Yeah, it's a little different. What's that about today? The breath of the Holy Spirit comes from Christ. The Holy Spirit is sent and proceeds from the Father and the Son. That breath of life that was breathed into man at creation in Genesis, Jesus is doing something like that here as he breathes on them and he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now the disciples in that room had been through a lot. And like Jesus coming and shaking things up, he breathes on them and it's a moment of refreshment for them. It's a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. Have you been through a lot out there this morning? Maybe you've gone in the last few months through a lot of stress, a lot of turmoil, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of these things that the disciples dealt with. You didn't know what the next step was. You, you didn't know what the future was going to hold. But at that moment, Jesus comes and he breathes the Holy Spirit on them. Remember, the Holy Spirit hadn't been officially poured out yet. That's going to happen in Acts chapter 2 when they're all together on the day of Pentecost. And, and listen to the account here, Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. Jesus is coming. He's appearing to them. He's breathing on them. He's refreshing them with the Holy Spirit. But here's the fullness of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared upon them tongues as fire distributed among them and resting on each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's the moment where the Holy Spirit was officially released on the church, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, what we're seeing here in verse 22 is just a preemptive filling for his disciples who were becoming apostles, and he breathes on them. Notice what happens as the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts 2. The faithful are filled. The, the believers that were there in one accord in that room together were filled. Then what happens? Peter preaches his first sermon as they come out of the upper room, filled with the Holy Spirit. He uses his spiritual gift. Notice that, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the use of spiritual gifts. Peter preaches his first sermon, and the scripture says that 3,000 people were added to the church that first day. 3,000 people added to the church. That's exciting, amen? So the filling of the Spirit, the activating of gifts, and the fruit being produced there, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Here are four reminders for us today about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Number one, it's our obedience that allows us to find the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. You say, why do you say that, Pastor? Because the disciples were there in that room together, and they were at the right place at the right time. But listen, there are many who heard Jesus' words that didn't bother to go to that room. There are many who heard with their ears, and they were hearers but not doers. And they were not in that room, so they didn't receive that infilling. Why? Because you've got to be at the right place at the right time. I want to encourage you today. You're here on this sunny October morning, and you're sitting in the parking lot of the Full Gospel Center. I want to tell you something. You're in the right place at the right time. When the Holy Spirit's pouring out, you got to be there, amen? 
you, you know, it's kind of like, I don't play the lottery, but you got to be in it to win it. Makes sense. So you're here this morning. You're obedient. You could have stayed home. You could have said, well, I don't like outdoor services. Well, I don't like being close to people. Or I don't like the pastor. Whatever you want to say to yourself. But there are some people who are not here today. You're here today. And that's obedience. And obedience is rewarded with the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the second reminder for us today, if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we're probably filled with something else. You might want to turn to your neighbor and say, you're full of something. Oh, I see husbands and wives talking for the first time in weeks. You're either going to be filled with the Holy Spirit or you're going to be filled with something else. People out there are filled with all kinds of things. We talked about not being filled with wine a week ago, but being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people are filled with lust. Some people with greed. Some bitterness. Some are filled with complaining. But listen, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be filled with something else. So you and I need to be full of the Spirit. Amen. And all those other things need to be driven out. The third reminder for us today is this. If we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then we're walking around spiritually empty. You know, driving around with an empty gas tank is risky, isn't it? Driving around with a spiritually empty heart is risky as well. Spiritually empty Christians don't impact anyone or anything. You and I need to be filled. The world around us that's broken and hurting is depending on it, that you and I have enough of the gospel and the Holy Spirit and the love of God and the things of the kingdom to overflow our own lives and touch those around us who are broken. Come on this morning. Don't walk around spiritually empty. Don't walk around with your spiritual gas tank on E, but get filled. Number four, the last reminder for us today is this. We should always be looking for the next refilling, the next refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Understand, you say, well, my pastor, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. When we get saved, we get filled. We have a measure. Then we have many other times where in fillings, there's, the Bible talks about the evidences of speaking in tongues and other spiritual works and using spiritual gifts. But listen to me, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one and done thing. There's once where we receive the Holy Spirit, the impartation of it, but there are many infillings along the path. We need to refuel. You don't fill your car up once and drive it till it runs out and then, you know, abandon it. You and I need to be refueled, refilled, and we should be looking for that next refreshing. Being filled with the Spirit is not a one-and-done affair. It is something that happens to us continually. I want to close this message with a story this morning. Many of you know the great preacher D.L. Moody. In the Moody Monthly, an old evangelist tells this story. He said there used to be a powerful revival meetings, and every year they were held in Tennessee. The people in that region were notorious for being spiritually hot and spiritually cold. It would work like this. The revival would come in, and everyone would get fired up at the annual meeting. And as soon as the revival was over and the meeting was over, soon after, people would begin to backslide and go back to their old ways. In one such meeting, a man, in a loud emotional outburst, prayed loudly for God to once again fill him with the fullness of the Holy Ghost. 
an old woman sitting near him who knew his character and had witnessed his many revivals and backslidings spoke up just as loudly. And she said, Lord, don't do it. He leaks. Amen. We might, may not be backslidden right now, but you know, we've all got to admit we leak. Come on this morning. I leak, you leak, and many times we, we don't do what it takes to retain the fullness of the Spirit in our life. You say, Pastor, what's the point? If we leak, we have to be looking for times of refreshing. If we leak, we need to be looking for that next filling of the Holy Ghost. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And today, Jesus wants to breathe on us. We need the Holy Spirit today to face tomorrow with joy and with hope. We need the Holy Spirit today to drive doubt out of our hearts. We need the Holy Spirit to, wait, to drive away depression and fear and anxiety. You and I need to see Jesus clearly. John 20, 20, he saw them. He showed them. Amen. So let me sum this up here. Hold your horns for a second. When we see Jesus clearly, this is what happens to us. We're going to have peace, we're going to have purpose, and we're going to have a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. So what I want us to do this morning is wherever we're, we are, in our cars, on our seats, standing up, let's just lift our hands to the Lord this morning. Well, Father, I pray this morning that you would refresh your people. God, the world around us needs to see Jesus for who he really is, but we need to see him as well. We need to be reminded that he's on the throne, that he's in control, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith, that he, he loves us. Father, this morning, once again, let the people of God revel in the fact that you love us, that you have plans for us, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. And God, when we seek you with our whole hearts, then we'll find you. So God, this morning, give us peace today. Peace not like the world gives, it depends on the circumstances, but peace that transcends the circumstances. Help us, Lord, to know that we've been sent, that we have a mission, that we have purpose today. Father, that a hurting world is waiting to hear the good news from our lips. And Father, today, once again, as our hands are lifted, breathe on us the Holy Spirit this morning. Holy Spirit, fall upon us this morning. Refresh us and restore us. Give us hope and joy that's contagious to the people around us that need you so badly. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him praise this morning. Amen.